Hello, our beloved listener, and welcome back to the Bad Things Podcast, the show that takes a look at the grotty underbelly of entertainment, slices it open, and see what falls out. My name is Jacob Simmons, and I am joined once again for this second part of our review of I Want to Marry Harry by the man, the myth, the legend. He is no pretender to the throne. It's Nathan Packham. Hello, sir. Generic salutations to you. And generic salutations to you. I am the authentic. Nathan Packham, I'm not Matt Hitch. <laughs> Thank God for that. So, hopefully you uh, joined us for our previous review of the first four episodes of I Want to Marry Harry. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go to our page and give it a little look. You can find us, of course, on Acast. If you search for Bad Things Podcast on Acast, or if you search for the Bad Things Podcast on Apple, uh, wherever you get your podcast from on Apple, we should be there as well. So check that one out. But a little brief recap of what this show's about. It's about 12 American women who go off to Britain, hopefully to win the heart of the man of their dreams, Prince Harry. But as it turns out, he's not Prince Harry. He's a 23-year-old environmental consultant named Matt Hicks who doesn't even own a car. When we last joined the fine folk, we had just said goodbye to Annalisa, the beauty queen who knew too much, and we'd welcomed Kelly, the southern belle with the head trauma, into the crown suite. Now, this is obviously the point where the show was cancelled on uh, network television in the States, but you were saying you quite enjoyed it. You were saying you were enjoying the show so far. Yeah, it's it's fine for what it is, you know, and I thoroughly just, I've just, I've said it about Grease 2, I'll say it again, I'm just uh, taking it out of an intellectual framework, it's perfectly serviceable, fun, and very easy to talk about TV. It is morally horrible. Um, and as we saw in the last episode, Chelsea just left because she didn't give a shit. Um, so, uh, fair play to her. Yeah. And, uh, we carry on now with the remaining girls who all at this point seem unaware that they are part of a big old ruse. Yeah, absolutely. These women who have been locked in a hotel room, had the windows boarded up, no contact with the outside world, not even music. And they are here desperately trying to win the heart of a man who is pretending to be Prince Harry. So I think if Nathan's okay, we'll just jump straight into the episode reviews. It's time for episode five, definitely. Good morning, sir. Morning, Bertold. We have organised a special date for you today. I'll be down shortly. We go straight in with Nathan's favourite side character in this whole series. We meet Bertold. Who is Bertold? What, what is this strange German ancestry that he has? I have so many questions. He, we, we've never seen him before. He's one of the staff. He doesn't even get like a proper introduction. He just walks into the uh, the chambers of Matt, wakes him up, and Matt just says, "Oh, hello, Bertold." <laughs> It's a bit early. I can't even remember why he's there. He just wakes him up. I've put that Bertold is no Kingsley. No, he's not. And he's not given the space or the time to develop <laughs> into a Kingsley. I uh, I didn't manage to track down who played Bertold either. So if you're the actor out there who played Bertold, get in touch. We'd love to know what you've been up to in the uh, years prior. Citizen to, uh... Four. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously doing that because Kingsley's busy with the girls. He says that as a gift to them, the American flag shall be flown over Deerfield Manor, which they go mental for. Oh, you've got to love that fake patriotism. <laughs> 
So you, um, Nathan, uh, went to school in the US for a few months. Were they as crazy for the flag over there? Was it like, did you have to say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning and... No, not, like not in the college class, no. It was easier to avoid the national anthem at the uh, like the big football games because the school I went to had like 50,000-seater stadium oh, okay. for the Jeez. football games. Um, so that was easier to sort of just go within yourself and be like, oh, I'm British, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> but I went to a women's soccer game that was at a smaller venue and listening to people sing the anthem the american national anthem was extraordinary it's a whole level of sort of uh, passion patriotism um and pure fire that we have no concept of in the uk because mm. part of being a patriot in the uk is just admitting that the uk is a bit shit <laughs> but, like there's none of that in there's none of that in the us did your mum never used to get angry when watching football matches when the uh, footballers wouldn't sing the national anthem? Oh, she'd go, did. she'd go crazy. I mean, and like I'm like one of those guys now because like I'm not like I don't really know about God and I'm not massive <laughs> on royalty, so like I probably wouldn't <laughs> sing the national anthem. This is the wrong show for you then, my friend. So after the American flag is raised over the fictional estate of Deerfield Manor, we get the announcement of a pageant. Yay! Uh. <laughs> It's going to be entertaining, but not okay. But also very objectifying and and stop it now, please. (laughs) Kelly is fetched by Bertold, who is really getting a mileage out in this episode. Uh, And Kelly says that she will do whatever it takes to get Harry, which is terrifying. She would kill several small children to become a princess. taking the medieval approach to royalty there rather than the 21st century one. Matt meets up with Kelly and he asks her to put aside who he is, which she agrees to, but she's just so obviously attached to the idea of him being Prince Harry. It's like, you know, she can say it all she wants, but her body language and the way she is around him is telling a completely different story. She's bought this hook, line and sinker, and some of the contestants have actually confirmed this in real life as well. Andrea, in uh, one of her interviews, said as much. I just found the whole thing very, very unnerving with Kelly. It's one of the great American contradictions, isn't it? To be proud to be a republic, but at the same time just be obsessed with this arbitrarily (laughs) created institution. That's so interesting, yeah, because so much of the American spirit is about freedom and independence, uh, but they love the royal family, the same people who they gained that independence from. And Kelly is so attached to this idea of duty and serving her man and serving her country inverted commas it's it's quite scary at some points it's really scary like the she was like my favorite for a long time and then getting towards the mid episodes i was like you have lost the plot (laughs) we'll get into a bit more of that later on because it's time for the date oh oh, what a date (laughs) (laughs) So just to recap, uh, if you haven't heard the other episode uh, or can't remember, the other dates we've had so far are a trip to the Isle of Wight from from Berkshire. (laughs) That is pretty shit. (laughs) We've had a trip in a hot air balloon and a a delightful picnic. We've had a trip in a private boat on the Thames. And for the fourth date of the series, we get... A shitty old American muscle car and a trip to some roadside American diner. I really want to know where this was. Did you track anything down about this diner? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I, I didn't have a look, but it looks like... On the outskirts looks... of Slough. 
it looks like the sort of place you'd stop with your parents when you're on like a long haul family holiday. When you're going down to like Cornwall for the summer and like you didn't plan this stop, but it's just like the nearest thing. So you Someone pop needs a like, wee. So, yeah, and you have and to you... go in and buy a Mars bar or you can't use the fucking toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad's there like, well, we're wasting time here. Come on, eat your chips. Kelly is like, she's weirdly okay with this, especially considering how she must have heard about the other dates. But she's just there like, oh, I'm just happy for who he is. <laughs> He, she, yeah, like this. She could have gone to like a uh, a landfill site, and like there'd been a table and chairs <laughs> as long as he was there. Tell me something about you that you haven't told me yet. Something I don't mm. know. Makes me different or something? Yeah, something, something I don't know. Mm, actually, as a child, I had leukemia. Really? And so, I'm a 16-year cancer survivor. Wow. And it's probably the reason I am the way I am. Live yeah. every moment as it is. Yeah. Whenever you bring up some illness, you know, the automatic thing for a normal person to be is like, oh, I'm sorry. But really, it's what shaped me. Then Have we get anyone in your family this huge bombshell moment. Mm. Kelly lets slip that she is a childhood leukemia survivor. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember where this came from. Um, yeah. This comes out of absolutely nowhere. And, it, it, you know, it, it frames the whole, you know, risk taker, the bit where she jumped off the boat, her sort of lust for life. It frames that all really nicely. And it makes Matt feel incredibly awkward because Kelly's there, like, praising him, quote unquote, for being so inspirational. And, you know, obviously Kelly must think, oh, this is Prince Harry. So he also went through a, a childhood trauma. So... He's obviously really inspirational as well. And Matt's just done none of this stuff. So that must have been so awkward when you're sat there just having this praise lavished on you by this actual cancer survivor. If she, that, if, that she must was, be... if she'd found out and she'd be like, oh, I'm so proud of you for getting a degree and getting a graduate job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a, a really horrible situation to be in, though, right? Yeah, and I'm assuming that they had no idea she was going to bring it up. I don't know. They must have known it about her. I well, don't... I, why, why, why would she have brought it up in any auditions or anything? It, it, you know, I'm assuming they're not asking all the contestants, did you have any childhood illnesses? But Seacrest loves the backstory. He must do. But yeah, this whole thing just makes Matt feel really awkward. He says he feels really bad about lying to Kelly, as he should. And in so many words... Uh, and this is completely baffling at this point. He basically just admits to being Prince Harry. <laughs> he, After all that, he just lies to her. Oh, my back's against the wall. Better make it even worse. It just doesn't make any sense at all because he's there like in all the, the, the talking heads and stuff talking about how hard it is to lie. And then he just tells her that he's Prince Harry for all intents and purposes. He never actually says it, but... He he sort of fills in all the gaps in all the right places, and, and Kelly jumps to the conclusion, which is like kind of a really shitty thing to do. It's it's just like when you're in a really intense conversation where you're losing the argument massively, so you just like <laughs> just, just bury yourself further by lying more or saying something ridiculous yeah. just so the argument ends. Oh god! It, and and you know, like as soon as this happens, there really is. No going back for Matt. He is in this for the long haul now. 
And whew, oh boy, uh, <laughs> buckle in, folks. Kelly's obviously thrilled about this, which is worrying <laughs> because it's a lie. Uh, and this has a knock-on effect for the rest of the girls who are practising for the pageant. At every pageant, there is a talent portion. Supposedly. <laughs> Did you pick up on what some of the girls' talents were? I, I think I've got most of them noted down. So Maggie is a cheerleader, sort of. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to the actual performance later, but yeah, she's going to do a little cheer. Megan decides she's going to do stand-up for the first time ever. <laughs> Kimberly, Such a weird choice Kimberly's on foot piano <laughs> uh, Another Tom Hanks film reference there If yes, you've seen it yeah, yeah. Uh, Rose does some sort of Sexy weird teacher CPR crossover It's porn essentially It's, it's porn yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacqueline is the one with the legit talent Because she's a hula hooper And she's actually pretty good at it Don't know if you knew but Karina's Mexican She's very Mexican So she does some <laughs> vaguely Latin dancing um, And then Kelly uh, Does some sexy square dancing Yeah That's uh, a nice array of talents there um, Honestly I wish I could show you Some of Jacqueline's hula hooping It's really good <laughs> So good So so good I want to know if she brought the hoop with her or did they find her a hoop? Like one of those frantic she... production meetings where we're like, we need a hula hoop in Reading. <laughs> so Kelly rejoins the gang and tells her about the date, and no one is impressed. No, because it's rubbish. <laughs> they cut to the talking heads, and and the the other women who've been on dates with Matt are just like, ah, uh, that sounds nice. Oh. That's kind of stinky that you went to the diner. They're dressed up like it was grease, you know, and there's um, everything. They went to the sock hop. Clearly, she's in the friend zone. And we just had like curly fries, milkshakes. I'm down for whatever. But I mean, would I want to switch dates? No. And then this is, this is like probably the most morally abject part of the show. Kingsley comes in. And to the dining everyone. room. No, uh... <laughs> oh God, no! Not Paul Leonard. <laughs> Never Paul. Leave, leave Paul alone. So yeah, Kingsley comes in, uh, and in light of Matt's revelation to Kelly, out and out states, "He's Prince Harry." Ladies, it has come to my attention that one of you has become aware of Sir's true identity. This is not a problem in itself. But I am here to tell you now that Sir is indeed His Royal Highness Prince Harry of Wales. Oh my God! <sighs> yep. <laughs> it's just a lie, it, you know. Like all that stuff we were talking about earlier in in the, in the previous episode about how they were playing it very. Smartly and playing it very smoothly, and, and that's all gone now. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I like you. I much preferred it when they were being coy about it and being clever about it. But now it is just a man lying to eight women. There's nothing fun about that. The better narrative to me is how long can he swerve 
yeah. and squirm a little bit until someone finally really breaks him down. That's a better narrative to me than Kingsley walking in. And to be fair, he nailed the fucking line. Of course he did. <laughs> Sir is in uh, doing fucking... Um, what's doing the prin- They're doing Principal McGee again. They're doing Principal... I'm going to carry on with it. <laughs> Sir is indeed Prince Harry. <laughs> Blanche, stop it. I would love to see a a remake where uh, Principal McGee and Blanche are played by Kingsley and Berthold. (laughs) Bloody Ivar Den. (laughs) Ivar Den and Paul Leonard, the power couple we never knew we wanted. So that's a pretty big moment. Really does shape the rest of the show going forward. Everyone's quite willing to believe it's him at this point. Like, they've obviously won them over enough, so that when they're actually told it, they do believe him. Kingsley sort of alludes to the fact that one of them already knew, but Kelly doesn't reveal it's her because she thinks that gives her an advantage for some for some reason. She's playing a game. I'm not sure if it's the same game as everyone else, but she's trying to strategize, which is such a weird concept for a show about love. Like, you can't strategize love. Um, I feel like you can a little bit if it comes down to wealth and power. <laughs> Well, as a man who's in possession of neither of those things, I've obviously never had women scheme over me. Uh, But it seemed a bit weird to me. Good afternoon, sire, and welcome to the very first Deerfield Manor pageant. Without further ado, may I invite the young ladies to the stage? Oh, no, he's here. Oh, God. (laughs) So it's pageant time. Hey. Matt is sat in a giant throne, obviously loving life. We get the talent. Maggie's cheer is the most embarrassing thing ever. You're sexy. You're cute. You're ginger. To boot. I'm funny. I care. I hope you like to stare. You're wanted. I'm hot. I'm everything they're not. I'm m- m- Maggie. Miss Funtime Maggie. <laughs> Bravo. That's the sound of my body just retracting in on itself. Megan does her stand-up, quote-unquote, and gives an amazing knock-knock joke. Knock-knock. Who's that? Not me in the crown suite. (laughs) 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 Ha, ha, ha. Okay, rough crowd. I should have worn a low-cut top to distract you. God, I want to get a drink with Megan. (laughs) What an absolute bitch. As we said, Kim plays the foot piano like in Big. Rose does some sexy porn stuff. Uh, Jacqueline's hula hooping is amazing. While this is happening, Matt and Kingsley exchange the best look. (laughs) They just look at each other like, damn. Uh, And then we get the dances at the end. And then we get the bikini contest. Yay. Yeah, this is just before Me Too, isn't it? So this was still... uh... (laughs) An acceptable thing to do on TV. The problem I have with the bikini contest is not the blatant objectification of women. It's the fact that he's already seen them all in their bikinis because they had a pool party. Yes, but now they get to dance and move uh, in a sexy way again for him. (laughs) I was thinking throughout this whole process, would this work if it was 12 men and a woman? Well, I would just like to see that because it's something different and would totally reverse the, you know, the the narrative of objectification that's been there for however many years. I've got a quote from Matt here. Would Prince Harry be sat in a throne judging girls in their bikinis? Yes. Yes, he would. Yes, he probably did that in Vegas when he was taking all the coke and stuff. Oh, 
A hundred percent he would. Absolutely. Uh, they then all give speeches about why they should win. Kelly's is just ugh, ridiculous. I believe Miss Deerfield um, is a woman that knows how to run this estate with passion and dignity and the ability to love her man and the people of this land. Thank you. It's like something out of an epic novel. It's just ludicrously over the top. Kelly from Alabama does Dubliners. <laughs> Speaking of over the top, we move on to Maggie's just declaration of love. I think I should be chosen as Miss Deerfield because I feel like we've really gotten to know each other and I'm really starting to have feelings for you. I just feel like every single time I get to spend one-on-one -on -one time with you, it's amazing. I never want to leave. I want to be with you, like, all the time. And I think I should be the queen. <laughs> you know how sometimes you just have a feeling, like, you know. Wow. Prince Harry gives me that feeling. She essentially sees this as her last chance to win him over, essentially, so... It's really quite heartfelt, and, and it does seem very genuine. It doesn't seem too produced. It doesn't seem too artificial. Yeah, and she's probably a bit more sober at this point as well, so <laughs> fair play to her. We get to the winner of the pageant, and it's Jacqueline, obviously, because she was amazing at hula hooping. Yeah, she kind of sarcastically accepts the award. It's a bit strange. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, and she loves it going forward. Like, there's it was shots after this where she's still wearing the pageant crown. Yeah, she's just in bed, you know, wearing the pageant crown. Why not? I would. Absolutely, if I won something, I would rub it in everyone's face. Is that why you're setting up this male pageant so that you can win <laughs> it and get a shit plastic crown? <laughs> no. No. This next bit's really weird. Matt goes to visit the girls in their bedroom and they play hide and seek. <laughs> I think the production meeting had forgotten to work out what they were going to do in the evening and they're probably just like, just go in there and play this sort of weird version of adult hide-and-seek that's a bit sexy but also deeply Freudian at the same time. My favourite quote from this whole bizarre performance art piece was Kelly, who is trying so hard to find him. She asks, where is his body lump? <laughs> oh... Nearly as clunky as the alphabet soup line from uh, episode two. <laughs> it's really, really weird. It, 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 you know, it, do adults play hide and seek with one another? Is this something you've ever experienced? If it was with other adults, it, there would also be children involved as well. So, yeah, no, I've never, never solely played hide and seek with a group of people <laughs> who are uh, 18 years and above. No. <laughs> I can't imagine why. It finishes up, it's all fun and games, Matt goes to leave, and Megan grabs him on the ass. Did you just touch my mouth? The ass grabbing does not sit well with Kelly, who shoots Megan the dirtiest look, and Megan picks up on it. And, uh, like, Kelly is really starting to turn into this, like, obsessive, cliche, crazy ex-girlfriend type character. The turn that she takes in the second half of the series is absolutely terrifying and she is obsessed with calling Megan a skank. It doesn't matter what button she pushes or how many times she holds his hands and eye sexes Prince Charming, I don't care because you're actually faking a skank and you can get out the door. Kidding! It's such vitriolic language. It's so... 
like, where did this come from, from Kelly? Because she doesn't appear like this at all in the first few episodes. And then she just flips a switch and goes bonkers. Yeah, I mean, she must just decide that she's really into him. Um, yeah. I can't see any, uh, uh, bar our sort of humorous uh, brain trauma explanation, I can't really see any reason uh, for for this happening. I guess you never know, like, how much of this is produced or not, mm. but it, it certainly is taking over as one of the main narratives of the show, Kelly's obsession with uh, with Prince Harry. So we'll see how that goes down. We then get the part of the evening the production team did bother to plan. It's an American-style <laughs> state fair. Hey, it's the end of Greece. <laughs> it really is. Anyway. Took a trip back in time there. Kingsley is rocking an amazing outfit. He's got like a Stars and Stripes waistcoat. He's got like the big Uncle Sam top hat. He is a star. He is so good. From citizen to star. <laughs> the new reality show from Ryan Seacrest Productions. We go to a hot dog eating contest. Kimberly destroys them all. Ah, uh, all those all those years spent on Coney Island. Uh, <laughs> that's actually what she says. As a Did she say that? She, really? Yeah, she says that's why she was good at it. Because <laughs> she used to go to the Coney Island Fair. Did of you know course she's from she New did. York? And Trump Tower and the freaking Statue of Liberty. It's just where she lives. She just she just lives in the torch. And when when this is happening, when like the t- hot dog eating contest is happening, Kingsley is getting so into it. Have you swallowed it all? Yes, she has. Yeah, it was pretty quick. <laughs> no way. Yeah, well, I'm sure he enjoys watching women down a sausage. I'm sure that's oh, uh, that's Paul Leonard's vibe. Oh. oh, poor Paul! You've ripped him to shreds. <laughs> And he's my favourite. <laughs> he's the best one. There's a big Ferris wheel. Uh, I, I don't know what this is in relation to, but I've just put one of my notes. This is getting ridiculous. How many people end up on that Ferris wheel? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, how much money did they spend on this show? How devastated must they have been when they got cancelled halfway through? <sighs> Um, yeah, it was a Ferris wheel and then just various stools. We're already mm. talking probably, oh God, I don't know how many thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to order in all those hot dogs that Kimberly was eating. All the booze for Maggie. That's <laughs> racking up the money. The carafes of wine. <laughs> <laughs> carafe. I've not heard the word carafe used in context before. Uh, Matt Hicks has rubbed off of me, that's why. <laughs> So then it comes to decision time. It's down to Maggie and Megan. And again, I just didn't feel any tension in this elimination process. Did you think it was going to go either way? No, I didn't, because like, Matt <laughs> absolutely loves Megan. So obviously mm. th- there, was, yeah. there was only one way this was going to go. And he'd been informed by Chelsea of Maggie's uh, slight problem. So. <laughs> yeah, I did think it was a bit harsh that he eliminates Maggie in the episode where she like lays her heart on the line for him. I thought that was quite cruel. Thanks for being authentic. See you never. I'm happy with getting to experience everything I've experienced. I mean, come on. I got to meet Prince Harry. How would I ever have gotten to know him? He's so fun, so sweet. And even though he didn't see a connection between us, he's still a nice guy. I mean, yeah, I would have loved to be a princess. But it didn't work out. It wasn't in the cards for me. 
Maggie just like balls her eyes out at this point. She says she wants to talk to her mum. Like, yeah, she was a bit bitchy. She was drunk half the time, but I felt so sad for her here because this is, comes across as really sincere. I felt really, really bad for her. Yeah, she's like emotional, but also rational. So I was wondering maybe all of us should drink more. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know what the state of the world's going to be like when this podcast uh, comes out. But if we're still under lockdown, that might be a good way to pass the time. So Megan ends up in the crown suite. The knock-knock joke prophecy did not come true. She makes it to the crown suite. She looks really, really smug. Uh, She comes back into the room uh, to announce that she's won it to the other women and none of them are pleased to see her. Um, did you did you note down Kelly's quote here for the for the yep. handover? It suddenly escalates in tone towards the end. Um, oh, now I have to give her the crown sweet key, which I don't like because she's a fake bitch. <laughs> she also says before she finds out that um, if Megan wins, then I'm going to jump off a building. Oh, yeah. So after the switch, Megan goes into the crown suite and Kelly vows to do something about her, <laughs> which is terrifying. <laughs> and then my favourite bit of production in the whole series, we get a big uh, establishing shot of Deerfield Manor, <laughs> some clearly faked lightning noises. <laughs> and you want to know how, it was cl- how I knew it was clearly faked? Because the sky is completely clear. <laughs> There is obviously no lightning. I must say, at this point, I am actually gripped by the story. You I were really gripped. I really want to know what's going on. Like, I don't know who's going to win at this point. It, it, Kelly is just a, a, a mentalist. Megan is a mentalist. It's. It's great. It's fantastic. It's it's not exactly 24, is it? I wouldn't say I was gripped. <laughs> okay, maybe I couldn't have put up with 24 episodes of this, but a solid eight will do. If it was called eight, I'd be happy. <laughs> a real-time I Want to Marry Harry series. <laughs> it would just be them sitting around not listening to music. <laughs> So episode six starts off with a bang. We get a drill sergeant who wakes all the girls up, apart from Megan. Uh, They all line up in a row and are told to execute a right turn. They all turn in different directions. (laughs) Of course. They get whisked away to boot camp, uh, where they will face the same sort of training that Prince Harry did when he was in the army. And the winner of the boot camp race will win the royal treatment, which is a spa date with Matt. So that sets up a little narrative thread. Uh, Kelly tears off into the lead because she's keen. (laughs) Because she has an abnormal amount of adrenaline in her body. (laughs) She's still recovering from the head trauma. Uh, Rose is completely rubbish. Did you see the bit where she gets stuck in a tube? (laughs) She did get stuck in a tube. And the drill sergeant's like, all right, I'll help you out. Oh, no, does does he help her out? Or is it the other... Do the other girls help? No, I think it's him. No, no, he... I think the um, drill sergeant equivalent of Berthold comes over and pulls her out. The sort of secondary (laughs) drill sergeant. Come on, catch her up. Pull up, Rose. I can't do it. But then the ops 
obstacles are what caught me off guard. I have the upper body strength of a cat. Pull up, pull up, off your arm. I don't no, like the upper body strength of a baby. So I was like, I can't do this. Come on, bro, you should be coming. Break first. <gasps> Thank God. <laughs> Kelly wins by about four years. She steams in front. Uh, Kim comes second. Uh, and the rest I love that you noted down the placings after <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> it's not fucking Mario Kart. You're actually faking a skank and you can get out the door. Well, you know, Kelly had the blue shell, so she was always going to win. While all this nonsense is happening, Megan has a really nice morning with Matt. They play tennis, which Megan is terrible at, and the date continues into the evening, where they go to a tree that has, like, a billion fairy lights on it, and they watch a lovely fireworks display. Uh, I hate fireworks with a passion. Really? Yep, can't stand them. Um... I I mean, once again, they're not exactly an intellectual pursuit, are they? But uh, for, for for entertainment purposes, they're perfectly serviceable. Apparently, I was scared of them as a child, which I vaguely Oh, really? Remember. Oh, okay. I just find them quite dull. I think once you've seen one fireworks display, you've seen them all. Uh, we'll uh, go to Disney sometime. <laughs> so you're taking me to the Isle of Wight in the last episode. You take me to Disney now. Yeah, and then Deerfield. <laughs> Fit the jackpot. How did you think Megan came across on this date? Um, her constant babe thing is quite scary. Yeah, she constantly calls him babe, like in place of. Uh, doesn't she ask if she can still call call him babe? Yes, she does at some point, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, of course, because <laughs> it's hot," um, which is fair enough. I thought she came across better than she had before on this date she came across as a bit more human here. yeah they're they're flirting and sort of the sensuality of them because it's a bit more reciprocal than it has been previously when she has described even them looking at each other as eye sex and then goes into explicit detail about the difference between <laughs> looking at someone and eye sex <laughs> it was nice to see a yurt hadn't seen a yurt in a while Yes, I too noted the yurt because uh, it starts raining, so they go to this yurt, and my first thought was they're gonna they're gonna bang. <laughs> do, do you know what my note is? My note is they go into a yurt, comma probably to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> look, this this isn't us taking the piss. It really does look like they're gonna have sex because the rain's coming down. It like it's like something out of a porno. They get to the yurt and then it starts raining, and they're like, oh no, it's raining. We can't leave. Better go in the yurt. At least the windows aren't boarded up this time. <laughs> oh, look, a magazine. No! <laughs> well, if they do fuck, then we don't see it, obviously, uh, because we then cut to the next day. Uh, Matt says he feels like he's really broken down some barriers with Megan, hopefully not physical barriers. And Kelly vows to let Matt know the real Megan, because she gets pissed off at these fireworks. Yeah, there's a weird quote here where one of the words gets beeped out and I don't know what the word was, but Kelly says all she cares about is her beep and it sounded like the C word. I know she's beautiful on the outside, but really all she cares about is her and her curly hair. I didn't notice this. All she cares about is her beep and her curly hair. Uh, is, is tits allowed? On American telly? Well, I don't think Goddamn is allowed on American no. telly, is it? Yeah, so. no, you're right. Um, All she cares God. about is her Goddamn. <laughs> her Goddamn... C- no, we're not going to 
We're not going to use that word. So during the spa treatment that Kelly won on the G.I. Joe course, she goes in hard on Megan, calls her mean, calls her crude, probably calls her a skank as well. (laughs) And you can get out the door. (laughs) You can get out the door. I noted that this must be really awkward for the people giving them massages. They're probably just actors again, aren't they? It's not a real... Mis- like, a it's real just part. Paul Leonard in a bodysuit. <laughs> Bertolt to this massage business. <laughs> Bertolt's back rubs. Goes into business with Ian Botham. Oh, fucking Botham. <laughs> Kind to get him in once. After these revelations, Matt says he has a lot to think about. What did you make of this... Uh, moment with Kelly and Matt. Did it come across as particularly mature from Kelly to essentially tattle? Um, no, because someone should be allowed to have their own opinion on someone. I mean, I say that very contradictory. Most of my conversations are just discussing the weird and wonderful people that I know to other people. But, uh, yeah. But it, it, it did come, it certainly was meant to come across as Kelly sort of using the underhanded tactics and yeah. going against Megan and going against the rest of the group by saying something in private, I think, uh, without talking to Megan first, I think is the problem that I took from this. But we, yes, we go off to a pub uh, because it's Britain and it's contractually mandated that we have to go to the pub once. God, I miss the pub. I hope the pubs are open again by the time this goes out. They must have been so delighted as well because they've been held captive for six weeks now, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't just run off into the forest. Try and make a break for it. Oh no, the paps! <laughs> ah, the fake paps. Yeah, they go off to the pub. Uh, Megan travels privately with Matt, which must be really awkward after he heard everything from Kelly. Uh, the girls get taken away in a vintage Routemaster bus. We feel like the Spice Girls. <laughs> I will say, there are five of them. So, yeah. Are we about to give each of them a... <laughs> A Spice Girl. I uh, I thought about it, but uh, I think we've already run long on this record, so <laughs> make your minds up at home, folks. They get to the pub uh, and tuck into some fish and chips. There's not a proper pub. That's a gastro pub. Yeah, there's like four things on the menu. Fish and chips, a pie, some sort of vague <laughs> veggie option, and steak. Yeah. <laughs> the veggie option is some mushroom thing. That is literally what happened at my last party, wasn't it? Like, your choice was, like, some mushroom thing. <laughs> it was horrible. Really weird quote from Matt here. He says that he's, <laughs> he said he's heard some rumours of some brawls between the women. <laughs> Does he know what a brawl is? That's what constitutes a brawl in Britain. It's just, like, not being very happy with someone. I'm just imagining like a full-on fist fight between the women. Megan gets her tits involved to knock some people out. <laughs> Lou Reed comes in and cuts them off. Karloff's there. <laughs> Karloff v. Kingsley, what a fight. Oh my god, that would be so good. Frank Vedekind is the special guest referee. <laughs> Vedekind! Dragging it back to I Want to Marry Harry now. That must make no sense for anyone who hasn't heard the Ludo episode. Uh, Acast, uh, Apple Podcasts, listen to them. Megan says that uh, she doesn't know what Matt's talking about with regards to the brawls. Kelly gets set off like a firework. She lays into Megan and then Jacqueline tags in and starts having a go at her as well. (laughs) 
And I've just put this is family argument levels of awkwardness. Oh, someone's having a go at someone. I sort of also don't really like this person, so I'll jump in as well. <laughs> Get her while she's down. Kick her while she's down. I've been massively guilty of that before as well. So after that debacle at the pub, we're off to Deerfield Manor again, and it's casino night, <laughs> which you must be loving, Nathan, uh, as a big fan of gambling. I've been to one casino. Uh, Have it was you? once again on my travels in Australia. Uh, my good friend JB. Uh, I didn't gamble because obviously it's disgusting. And uh, <laughs> um, he, he took out $40, and within about five minutes on the roulette wheel, he had lost $40. Um, I rewatched the uh, Louis Threw uh, documentary on gambling yep. recently. It is terrifying. <laughs> really, really scary. This isn't even a real casino, it's bloody Deerfield, which isn't even a real place. (laughs) (laughs) There's no casinos in Berkshire. Throughout the night, Matt chats to a couple of the girls privately. Uh, He chats to Kim. Uh, He asks her about Megan. Kim says that she doesn't really bother her. They get on so well. It's very, very sweet. And they finally kiss. It's really, really nice. Aww. It, this is really nice. This is the, like I have in my notes at this point. She's a strong contender, as she's less garish than a lot of the other girls. Matt talks to Jackie, who says that Megan talks about people behind their backs and that she's only in it for the glitz and the glamour, which obviously sets off a load of alarm bells. Uh, ironic that he just doesn't worry about Kelly, besides that, apart from the fact that she gave the whole Queen and Country speech. But Megan's interested in the glitz and glamour. Oh no! That's because Kelly came at it from like a bullshit duty perspective, whereas <laughs> Megan's just like, I've got tits, and I think you're quite good looking. Ah, <laughs> oh, how how lovely, how royal of her. Megan defends herself to Matt and says that Kelly should have brought these issues up with her first. It's you know fair point. We come down to the elimination, and it's between Jacqueline and Kimberly, as Kimberly becomes the first person to enter the final two twice. But Matt has <laughs> Matt has literally just kissed her, so again the tension is gone. And it, it doesn't uh, they, help that Jackie is forced to just take a seat on some stone steps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and the show knows it as well because they just rush through this. I think it takes all in all about a minute and a half. Jackie's off and Kim's off in the crown suite for a second time. Yeah, exactly what I wrote in my notes. No bullshit this time. Kimberly is told about three seconds in that she's in the crown suite. Do you remember Jackie's exit speech? She flubbed her lines, didn't she? Yeah, our cross will paths again. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm not really happy to be leaving, but there's not really much I can say or do to change it. He doesn't have a connection with me, and I can't hold that against him. I just hope that he appreciates the beautiful ladies in front of him and chooses the right girl for him. I really hope the best for you, Prince Harry. I really do. And I really hope that one day, like, our cross will pass again. Our paths will cross again. <laughs> However, we find out just moments later why the show rushed through. Oh, I, flubbed, I flubbed my lines. Through rust. <laughs> <laughs> moments later, we find out exactly why the show rushed through this elimination process. Because Kingsley's back and he calls for Megan. Now, Megan thinks at this point that she's being asked to stay in (laughs) Matt's private room with him, which has never been an option. The yurt. (laughs) Sir would like to see you in the yurt. For a fuck. (laughs) Kingsley's just there, just jolly good, sir. 
Excellent work. But Megan isn't going to Matt's private rooms. In fact, she's not going anywhere apart from home because Matt sends her on her way. He tells her that he needs to be with someone who can fit into a group. I've put here, i.e. Wills and Kate. And Megan is sent home in a genuinely shocking moment. Did you see this coming? Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. As soon as she was called and she was called... Oh, as soon as she was called, yeah. yeah. Um, I I guess props to Matt Hicks for not just going for, you know, keeping the obvious and getting rid of someone mm. who was a problem within the group. If she was actually a problem and it wasn't all editing. Yeah, well, I guess it's hard to say, but I, I, it's a real blow for the show because Megan is easily the biggest character out of the remaining girls, maybe with the exception of Kelly. You know, obviously I didn't want her to win, so I, I wasn't sad when she left, but I did worry about what the show was going to do afterwards. But luckily, Kelly takes care of that for us, so... I'm 100% surprised by his decision to make. I'm just like, so I thought he was going to ask me to stay in the ground suite. And then Kelly heard it. She 100% sabotaged me. Kelly's not a nice person. I feel so stupid because I do like him. I'm not going home and I feel like a fool. So it's down to the penultimate episode of I Want to Marry Harry and we are down to four girls. It's Karina, Rose, Kelly and Kimberly. Things are pretty tense, uh, not just between the girls, but also because Matt knows that soon he will have to do the big reveal. And God knows what's going to happen there. This week's first activity is a spa day. At the same spa they've already been to, probably. (laughs) Again, the production budget has run low. They paid for the week. They were going to use it. We get straight into the action with Matt and Karina. Uh, They're in a massive swimming pool and immediately start making out with each other. (laughs) But, like, their interaction is genuine. You can see that oh, it's genuine. Oh, yeah, I know. No, it's, it, they're, they're really sweet together. They may make a really good couple. Next up is Kelly. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kiss me, goddamn it. <laughs> <laughs> she's the only one who hasn't kissed him yet, and she's annoyed at this. <laughs> this is brilliant. Matt asks her, uh, is there anything you want to know about me? And she says, are you a good kisser? <laughs> and he's she's like, 13. Oh. I'm a, oh, I, yeah, maybe we should not blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, jolly good. Uh, Kingsley, help. <laughs> Matt says that Kelly ticks all of his boxes, but ponders if there's anything romantic. <laughs> What's the point of having her around, then? <laughs> Why is she here? Oh, would rather kept Megan. Yeah, I would have made things interesting. Uh, we get Rose next, who, apart from being stuck in a tube, hasn't really done much since the first uh, episode. She reminds us of that. And then she reveals this, like, this can really shock me. She said she was in a relationship for seven years. She's what a, 22. What a horribly long time. <laughs> <laughs> Poor girl. Like, I'm 22. I, yeah. I, seven years ago, I, I wasn't in any way, shape or form ready for a relationship. You just you have, you know, there are these people who just manage to stay together, and that's cool. Did you have any couples in your school who were, like, together for a ridiculously long time? I still know some people who have been together for a decade or, or Whoa. more. Whoa. Oh, my yeah. God. That's horrifying. 
It's actually pretty sweet. Uh... Oh, God. That really did shock me. And I thought that Rose came across really, really well here. She talks very openly about the breakup. She says that she forgot who she was for a while uh, after the breakup, but she's regained a lot of her confidence. I I felt really, really attached to Rose here. I don't know if you got any of this or whether this is just me being a sap. It's really annoying because it's all those cliches that you still sort of support, even though you're like, damn it, she's talking a really cliche way. No, yeah, she did. She came across well. Um, She said this experience had empowered her. Um, Mm. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Look, girl's just gone out of a seven-year relationship. Let's cut her some slack, okay? Okay. Uh, this is the point where they start to allude to like the main thread of this episode in that Rose is having some doubts about who Matt really is. We'll see how this plays out, but I've got a lot of thoughts on this. I don't know about you. Yes, uh, in terms of what the reality was of the situation. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what was going on behind the scenes. But we'll stick with the in-universe world for now. And it's our final date of the day. It's my fave. It's Kim. But Matt is worried that she hasn't really been relaxed around him. She, he, he worries that she hasn't come out of her shell yet. Uh, How but she dare does... <laughs> she take her time? <laughs> How dare she not be all over me from day one like everybody else? What's wrong with you? Kimberly reveals that an old boyfriend cheated on her, and that's why she's put up the guard so much. Uh, Kim or and Rose she had to create across. a narrative that would <laughs> that would settle Matt down. <laughs> Do you not think that's true then? Uh, no, yeah, I, I mean it. It, it probably, yeah, it, okay, yes, it's true because I don't want to downplay <laughs> the, the seriousness of whatever happened with Kimberly. I'm going to go into battle for my gal Kimberly. Don't you dare! I thought Rose and Kim came across very well in these segments. Not that Karina didn't, Kelly did, obviously, uh, but I just thought they were the the ones that showed a bit more of their human side. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, we've got three classy, authentic girls here, and Kelly. <laughs> In celebration of Sir's birthday, we have arranged a toga party. I'm so pumped because... So, we get to Harry's birthday party, and it's a toga party. (laughs) Just every possible strand of, of like, smutty party is just (laughs) being wrung out here. Yeah, it's, uh... (laughs) It's a hell of a setup. Did you see the gold bartenders? <laughs> I did see the gold bartenders. They were people behind the bar painted heads to toe in gold. Yeah, people have this weird like <laughs> historical revisionism that like Romans and Greeks were gold. As uh, the owner of a bachelor's degree in history, I can tell you with full confidence the Romans were gold. Uh, that's a historical fact. Unless they were charred by a rather large volcano, <laughs> but apart from that. Wait. Is that the Romans? Have I That's got that the Romans, right? yeah. No, oh, no, good, you got that right. You, you actually, is, that is actually correct, yeah. It's pre 1950s history, so I'm not really sure. And also, I don't care that much. It's time for some games. The first one is <laughs> Toga Tangle. <laughs> Avoid the copyright here. <laughs> it's Twister. Twister's always a fun game. Uh, you always end up with somebody's arse in your face at some point, which yeah. is uh, good fun. And that happens here uh, when Kelly Someone puts loses, her bum. Uh, their virginity. What? Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Do you need to talk about something, Nathan? No, that's not what happened, thankfully. <laughs> Penis on blue. No, not, we're not doing that now. Beefy. <laughs> the next game is, for fuck's sake, the kissing game. 
tongue tangle. So Matt's blindfolded and he has to determine which of the girls is the best kisser. This is... God, this is just bullshit. I won't mention the individual kisses. I will just talk about Kelly's. (laughs) (laughs) I won't mention the individual kisses, but this kiss was so ridiculous it has to be mentioned. (laughs) This is her first ever kiss with this guy. And it's like a horse eating. It is just... (laughs) There's so much tongue everywhere. She goes in at like 90 degrees or something. (laughs) It's like perpendicular to his mouth. (laughs) That's the perfect way to describe it. Perpendicular. It's horrible. It's so horrible. If somebody kissed me like that, I'd probably be sick. (laughs) It's so gross. Uh, we come back after commercial to find who the best kisser is. That's the cliffhanger. And it's Karina. Kelly is <laughs> super mad. <laughs> she has nothing to be mad about. <laughs> well, she only kissed real good because she's a skank. <laughs> you can't fit a square tongue into a round hole. <laughs> Oh, that is going to haunt me until my dying days. And then we get some drama. Not from Kelly, but from Matt, because he done fucked up. How old is William? Um, he's 30. That's old. So you're just one year younger. Oh my goodness, William is 31, and I just said 30. I don't think the girls have noticed, but I can really feel my heart beating. Are you really? Matt cold? tells the girls that William, i.e., Prince William, is 30, when he's actually 31. I've done this so many times. <laughs> yes. I don't know how old my brother is. Uh, the only time I only remember because he was born in the year 2000. I just take 2000 off what year it is. But I forget how old my parents are sometimes, or my grandparents, or stuff like that. But this is like a huge bombshell because Rose, for some reason, knows exactly how old Prince William is. <laughs> That's just common knowledge, apparently. Uh, and she starts to increase her suspicions. This comes across as super fake. Yeah, they needed some drama for the mm. last part of this episode because obviously the height of this episode is the the perpendicular kiss. <laughs> so it comes across as really ham-fisted and forced mm. and even for reality TV like I expect a little bit of mucking around but this is too much. Then we get some more uh shit between Kelly and Karina. Karina starts talking about the mystery footballer, her ex. I put in my notes, is it Diego Costa? (laughs) What, the man who's looked 45 years old since he was 20? (laughs) Is that a shout? Have I got the right time period? You, yeah, you have, yeah. Because he would have, he would have been about to join Chelsea, I think. Yes, I know about football. You have his picture in your your wallet still? That's annoying, because I know she still is in love. This is my Kelly. That's my most recent ex-boyfriend. That's him? That's my first real heartbreak. Here's his picture. Look at him. Look how cute he is. Yeah, he's So Prince Harry's the second man of your dreams, and you're going to take him away from me? I'm going to do something about this. Kelly's really pissed off about the fact that Karina still has a picture of Diego in her wallet. And 
this leads Kelly to believe that Karina must still be in love with him and that Harry must be her second choice. Oh, God. If this is somebody's actual opinion, then you can get out door. <laughs> She's a scared because she can get out the door. <laughs> he plays up front for Chelsea and he can get out the door. <laughs> He dives quite a lot and is quite aggressive. He can get out the door. <laughs> Football. So the final challenge of the episode, because it's still happening, is that the girls have to plan their own date with Matt. Kelly takes him on a tandem bike ride and makes him do all the work. <laughs> she doesn't pedal once. And then they sit down in the rain. <laughs> Seacrest is there like, no, it's August now. <laughs> We the spent August two showers long. are here. <laughs> Get him back inside Deerfield. Matt says he feels like he's been completely false to Kelly, which completely undermines the point of the show. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> and he he's just happy with it now. He's just happy to be a bit, you know, uh, just lie. Because he still doesn't really know them. And remember, lying to people you don't know is fine. <laughs> Matt Hicks, 2014. Kim's date is next. And she hopes it will take her relationship with our fake prince to new heights. I know Prince Harry has this adventurous side to him. He's an adrenaline junkie. And he loves to do spontaneous stuff. I'm like, okay. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Bungie. (laughs) Kim's date is next. And it is totally bizarre. It's... It's a bungee jump. I put in my notes, this is Colin Jackson on Strictly levels of bold. <laughs> the, the mannequins. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, this is a very niche reference to the final of uh, Strictly Come Dancing, like 2006? Yes, yeah, seven. Like uh, where <laughs> Welsh athlete Colin Jackson was against cricketer Darren Goff. In the final, and the final dance was uh, Colin Jackson and his partner coming out dancing, not with each other, but with two mannequins. <laughs> and it cost and it him, lost the, him the final. Because he was yeah, obviously he was... better because he was a hurdler <laughs> against a cricketer. <laughs> Darren Goff, who is out of shape, even for a cricketer. <laughs> he's like of course Freddie, he was going to win. He's like Freddie Flintoff uh, when he went on the... Um... What did he get? When he went on the Pedlo binge, sort of level of, of out of shape. <laughs> there have been so many amazing sportsman stories across these two episodes. Matt looks completely terrified. He does the jump and he makes an amazing noise coming off the bungee. Oh what an exhausting day for him. Like His legs are shot already. Matt says that Kim still hasn't really let herself go yet, despite the fact she's just done a bloody bungee jump. <laughs> just... What does he want? If she just jumped without the bungee, that really would have proved to me <laughs> what a great gal she was. <laughs> Kim's corpse, you're staying in the crown suite. If she jumped into a flaming pit of knives, I would have been won over by her straight away. <laughs> and then we get the, the greatest understatement of all time from Matt. He, he says... <laughs> Kim has issues trusting men, so finding out I've been lying to her for the last month could be devastating. 
<laughs> no shit. Fuck me, that was a hell of a statement. Uh, Karina's date is wine tasting. That's all we know, because they spend zero time on this. And we fast forward to Rose's date, which is sitting by a fire. <laughs> that budget. That cherry picker can't have come cheap. So. <laughs> you just see Seacrest in the background putting another log on and getting a bit burned. <laughs> It's just him holding a drawing of the flames, just moving them back and forth. It's that YouTube video that goes on for like 10 hours into the fire. The one that's always on at house parties. Yeah, and for people who have insomnia. (laughs) Seacrest is there. Has anybody got an HDMI? Oh no, it's only in 480 because of Corona. (laughs) Matt confuses Rose's suspicions over his identity for her being distant uh, but Rose doesn't let slip that she has these suspicions uh, whether or not she actually has them or they've been planted by the production team I don't know but despite all this they still kiss it's (laughs) really weird once again Hicks is just like oh she's really distant but we made out she didn't jump off a cherry picker so I'm not interested so then we get down to the nitty and the gritty the elimination in this penultimate episode Kingsley comes in He calls Kelly's name, and that is it. Or is it? Oh! Because he comes back in and calls Karina. Matt is uh, chatting to Kelly, who we've pretty much figured out is safe by this point. I just feel like he should have sent Kelly home at this point, because (laughs) not only is she causing trouble with the rest of them, she's so invested in him being Prince Harry. She kissed him with her weird rectangle tongue. Why is she still there? Um, she says some utterly terrifying things during this as well. She does, uh, yeah. I've been regal with you the whole time. Did you know that? <laughs> when I'm around you, I get a little crazy. Yeah, we hadn't no noticed. Shit. So, Kelly's safe. That means Karina's going home, right? Or does it? Because Kingsley's back again. And he calls for Kimberly. Oh, this is crazy. Karina is then told she can also stay on the estate. So that's Kelly and Karina through to the final. It's down to Rose and Kimberly. And I'm genuinely freaking out at this point because I don't want Kim to go. Because <laughs> she's great. Are you going to get on a plane when you can and go to New York? <laughs> oh, is, is Kimberly from New York? <laughs> she is, Coney Island. Oh, I never, never noticed. Never noticed hot dogs. So, Kimberly's surely going home, right? She's been called through, the rest are safe. But no! Matt asked Kim to stay as well! I don't think any of them were on the stone steps as well, so they're obviously all going to be allowed to stay. So, I thought what was actually a really well-crafted piece of TV, they set up the dining room as the place to stay, as the place where people are safe throughout the entire series, and then Matt talks to Rose and eliminates her in the dining room. genuinely really good that's really well thought through and yeah rose is out which is a real shame because she was she was great and i don't feel like we saw the most of her throughout the series yeah she was like obviously episode one the isle of Wight. oh no sorry episode two and the isle of Wight. and then yeah the the the, when she got stuck in a cone or whatever it was (laughs) uh which is worse then she was only brought back in to question the ruse I really like you and feel like we have a connection, mm-hmm. but I think both of us know the truth. Mm-hmm. What is the truth? What do you think? 
and I, I know you're not Prince Harry. No, I'm not Prince Harry. She tells Matt that she knows he's not Prince Harry. Matt fesses up. My name is Matt Hicks. <laughs> and yeah, it's all a little too perfect. Like, she was either asked to leave because she found out or she was told, like, he's not Prince Harry, here's some drama because you're going home. It's like, it's, it, it, something must have been up here, right? Yeah, I d- don't know to what extent. But, you know, it's great, isn't it? The blurred lines of reality. Who knows? I told him everything that I needed to say. And at this point, I left at peace because I I laid it out for him. And at some point, the other girls are going to find that truth. That's going to crush them. And so we are left with Karina, Kelly and Kim, the KKK. Oh, God. (laughs) Whoops. We end the episode with Kelly once again plotting, this time against Karina, as she plans to tell Matt the truth about her ex. Ooh. And he's won the hearts of the final three girls. One of these girls is going to be the one. Restaurant hostess from Alabama, Kelly. Going home is not an option. I want to move to England tomorrow. I can't tolerate losing to Kim and Karina. I'm the only girl here for the right reasons. Social worker from the Big Apple, Kimberly. I've always hoped that I would find someone that treats me like a princess, but I never expected it to be Prince Harry. I don't trust Kelly. Something's off in Kelly's head. A physical therapist from Illinois, Karina. Karina just wants to date a prince. I'm worried about Kelly in particular. She would throw me under the bus to get closer to him. But I can't let that happen. I feel like I can get very used to this lifestyle. Princess Karina has a great ring to it. Tonight, it's the moment you've been waiting for. What are you going to choose? Matt will make his final choice. It's going to be a really tough decision. And he will reveal his true identity. There's one more thing you should know. Oh, no. But will she forgive the man she's grown to love? I'm not who you thought I was. (laughs) Or hate him for the lies? If it all blows up in my face, then I'm going to be pretty devastated. And there's one last stunning secret even Matt doesn't know about. I have a surprise for you. Matt and his chosen girl will be rewarded with a quarter of a million dollars, but only if she accepts him the man he really is so it's finale time we made it yay (laughs) eight hours of isolation youtube viewing later and we are here one of the three women will win the heart of prince harry and then find out he's not actually prince harry i'm excited are you uh no because you didn't see it because it got cancelled so at the end of episode seven we get teased about this huge surprise that even Matt doesn't know about. And I was I was genuinely quite interested in this because, you know, I hadn't done that much reading around the show at this point. I didn't really know, like, the other sort of premise to this. So I was like, oh, they're going to tease this out. They're going to draw it out throughout the whole episode. And then they just blow it at the right of the start of episode eight. 
It was really, really poorly constructed. It's not much of a surprise considering there's money involved with a reality <laughs> TV show. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the surprise is that if the winning girl chooses to stay with Matt after the reveal, then they both get a quarter of a million dollars. Jesus. No wonder they were going to the American Diner by episode five, because uh, <laughs> 250k from... Uh, I mean... Uh, if you think of British game shows like Pointless, you're lucky if you win 3k <laughs> on Pointless. So, yeah, the tension's sort of not there for the big reveal anymore, which I thought was a shame. It didn't need us to know this this early, like the tension of who was going to win and the tension of the reveal was enough, I think, to drive this episode rather than piling that, the money thing on top as well. But it's an American produced show. There's <laughs> always going to be a monetary thing at the end of it. Uh, I mean, I guess so, but I don't think they, they handle it in the best way, is all I'm saying. It's just, I would have done it differently, in my infinite wisdom. You would have announced it in episode four, just so that they didn't think you had no money left. <laughs> As the network executive had his finger over the cancel button. So we are off to London for three separate dates. I have never been to London on a date. You have. Is it a good city for dates? It's an amazing city for dates. Like, seriously, it's endless there's endless things to do even just walking like stuff happens like there's weird people around all the time i will never forget the story that you told of the uh the salmon and ball pub near the <laughs> is it the is it bethnal green the tube station yes there's, there's a pub called the salmon and ball outside bethnal green station and uh, i was on a date with someone who I would describe as quite haughty is that a, <laughs> is, is that a word i can use i don't know what that word means uh, I don't want to say snobbish, but someone who knew what they liked and weren't yeah. going to accept anything less. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like, oh, there's a pub there. We might be able to get some food. I opened the door to the salmon and bull, and uh, there's obviously some sport going on or something, because I've never had a sound like it come back at me. <laughs> I just opened the door, and all I hear was, Way! <laughs> I love that story. Every time I'm in Bethnal Green and I see the salmon and, ball, salmon and ball, I'm just like, way! It's it's not like it's an obscure landmark as well. It's like right outside <laughs> it the station. It is right outside the station. It's a nice pub. I have been in when there's no sports on. It's really nice. I've never got a drink at the salmon and ball. We should do that next time. Uh, if we're ever allowed to leave our homes again. So off to London for three separate dates. First up is Kelly. They go for lunch in the Gherkin, which is not the building's official name, uh, but that's what Matt calls it anyway. Do you know what it's actually called? I have no idea. All yeah. I know is that it's an hour and 20 minutes or so away from, uh, from Deerfield, Deerfield Manor. <laughs> Kelly doesn't expressly say that Karina has a picture of her ex in her wallet, but she definitely hints at it very strongly. It comes across as quite childish. Yeah, and in the final episode, Hicks finally decides to pipe up and say, maybe you shouldn't be saying these things. <laughs> yeah, he says he doesn't care what's in Karina's wallet. And that's the end of that. So the, the final date with Kelly is a disaster, as her entire run through the show has been. So uh, guess who's not winning? Next up, it's Karina, and we go up the London Eye. Do you like the London Eye? Oh, what an overrated thing. <laughs> I knew you'd hate it. I knew it. it I, I agree. It's really dull, isn't it? It's the queuing that's the problem. Oh, I think it's a God. cool concept, but the queuing is insane. It's it's not worth it, is it? You've got to be in the queue. You're no. in the queue for longer than you're on the bloody thing. 
And you're on the thing for about four hours. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a really good view today. Masses of clouds. <laughs> Someone comes by on that fucking uh, Emirates skyline thing and just blocks the view. One of the, the best bits of realism in the show, mm-hmm. and I say that in, in inverted commas, uh, were Harry's bodyguards in the adjacent pods. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I noticed this. What are they going to do? <laughs> Are they going to shoot through the already pretty stern glass? The poor extras that had to play the security guards that just had to stand there in their own pod. They didn't get to see the view because they had to watch bloody Matt Hicks making out with a girl for the umpteenth fucking time. They chat about her ex. Uh, Apparently they only broke up eight months ago, but Karina says she's over him and happy to be falling for Harry. Uh, which is nice. There's a very strong connection between Matt and Karina. All in all, this is a pretty nice date, I think. All of her dates are really nice. <laughs> yeah, she sounds great. And our final date is with the love of my life, Kim. It's on Tower Bridge, and they eat dinner in the bridge. <laughs> Apparently this is a thing you can do. I was going to say, is this like... Can everyone do this, or is this just a royal thing? I don't know. Matt says he's had to work harder with Kim, so it feels more intimate. Which is nice, I think. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit of a weird one. The date's very nice. Uh, they smooch, obviously, on the bridge. And three must now become two. Uh, Kelly calls Matt in this section <laughs> the ultimate man. I think that you're, like, the ultimate man. Environmental consultant and ultimate man. <laughs> That's a hell of a Tinder profile. They spend very little time on this because it's obvious Kelly has finally gone. God, he said something brutal to her. Oh, what did he say? I, I mean, I might be quoting this wrong, but I will. Mm-hmm. He says, My gut instinct naturally draws me towards the other girls and not you. <laughs> oh, Christ. I never dreamed of being in this situation. And now these girls that didn't even give a about being here for the right reason are going to get to be with you? I've liked everything about him, and I don't know what else I could have done differently. And that sucks, because obviously I'm not what Prince Harry is looking for. So it's our final evening at Deerfield Manor, and we get a winter wonderland. A decent one, uh, not the shit one that happens in London every year. Uh, Some very dodgy copyright here again. <laughs> Toga Tangle. Kim is really starting to open up by this point, which is which is really nice to see. It, it, it... Oh, can you just? Stop? Well, I like Kim. I think she's nice. <laughs> and also, if she listens to this, my number is oh seven <laughs> <laughs> plus four four. <laughs> uh, so it, I've put that this is a battle between the slow burning intimacy of Kim and the instant connection of Karina. So it's it's quite an interesting dynamic. At this point I really I didn't know who was going to win. I thought it could go either way. So I, I wonder what hovel of your subconscious came up with slow burning intimacy <laughs> to describe Kim. The part that fancies her obviously. So after some time in the not shit winter wonderland, Matt is summoned for his final decision. Matt says he could see himself with either girl, which got me thinking about the concept for a polyamorous dating show. Uh, that's probably already been oh, done do somewhere. Think so? oh, I reckon. Yeah. I, I reckon I could make it big time. I've got some ideas. If anyone's listening, my number is plus four four. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, if Seacrest is listening. <laughs> he uh, talks to Karina on her own with no side-by-side, which kind of kills the tension a little bit, I think, for me. Uh, he asks her to leave, and she looks so sad. Yeah, she goes from sad to she angry. She like, full-on. She's talking about how she's embarrassed. She says that she worries that Matt never liked her in the first place. It, it's It's a hard watch. That's a horrible feeling that you were wrong all along. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's a... Uh... You got down to the last two. <laughs> God, can you imagine if Kelly had gotten to this point? I think she'd have killed him. I just, like, don't know where I went wrong. I was definitely, like, finally believing in love, and what's embarrassing is that I was so wrong. And it makes me, like, question myself, like... What are you thinking? Like, he didn't like you. That's a horrible feeling to know that you were wrong all along. I, like, believed in something that was, like, just in my head. But, alas, we can't mourn Karina's loss for too long because my favourite won! Hooray! Were you happy with this choice? Were you happy with Kimberly as the winner? I'd have been happy with either of them. They were like there were differences between them, but they were both essentially like the best of both worlds. <laughs> like Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, they both seem like very nice, very genuine, intelligent people. So yeah, I, I would have been pleased with, with either one. But my fave did win, which made me slightly sad because I want to date her rather than Matt Hicks. But there's no time to dwell on that because we have the second of three massive reveals uh, on this show because it's time for Matt to tell her the truth about who he is. There's one more thing you should know. Oh no. What? I'm not Prince Harry. My name is Matthew. Are you serious right now? I'm an environmental consultant. I'm not from any status, wealth or title. Everything else you have seen is the real me though. Just been some small fabrication. Oh, this was the big component of the show that they sort of skipped over <laughs> quite quickly. Did you notice that Matt was like smirking a little bit as he was telling Kim? Probably from relief. I was like, take it seriously. You've lied to these women for seven <laughs> weeks. You literally said that Kim has issues with trust. <laughs> And now you're there like, whoa, I'm not really Prince Harry. <laughs> I'm an environmental consultant. Um, yeah, they they really don't spend much time on this, do they? No, they don't. Does it change anything for you? Kim takes it remarkably well. 
just doesn't care. Unless they cut like a shitload of this out. This is amazing how well she took this. The only thing she cares about is if she if he's still British. That is the marker of someone who's never met an English person before, because you can tell within about five minutes that Matt's actually English. He's as English as Maxwell Coalfield. <laughs> yes. The, um, oh, the crossover we never knew we wanted. I think we found our lead for the live-action production of Grease 2. Get Hicks on the line. Kim takes it well, and she accepts him for who he is. This is, feels very rushed and is not the payoff I wanted. I was wondering, with the 125k that they get each, are they going to mm. be playing Golden Bulls for the final sort of <laughs> split decision? <laughs> now, that is a bloody good show, Golden Balls. Where did that go? <laughs> Yasmin Carrot got old, probably. Oh, he was old when it started. Come on. Uh, Amazing that his head looks like one of the props. <laughs> oh, I just want to watch Golden Balls now. Kingsley comes in, yeah, as you said, tells them about the money. A shitload of fireworks go off. I've put, that's the remainder of the budget. Yep, they got those from Disney's Epcot right there. <laughs> and they ride off in a horse and cart. Yep, racing towards recession, resentment and breakup. Off they go. <laughs> uh, the next day they leave the estate on a tandem bike, which makes no sense thematically because Kelly's date was the one on the tandem. Oh, it's just a final fuck you to Kelly, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the same bike. It was probably actually hers. And then in a very cinematic final scene, Kingsley locks the doors of the estate, returns the key to the National Trust office and goes back to working as an extra. <laughs> And there we have it. It was an experience watching this show. Yeah, I've got to say, another bad thing that's not totally a bad thing. So it joins Grease 2 for me in that yeah. category. There were definitely entertaining moments. I think based purely on the concept and the way in which they went about it, this does not get a full pass from me. Uh, locking a dozen women in a hotel room is generally frowned upon, I feel, in polite <laughs> society. But... There was some really good reality TV in here. I think, like you've been saying, you know, if you damper the expectations, if you put that ceiling above it of this is reality TV, it's quite enjoyable. There's good characters, there's good moments, the setup's quite interesting, it's well made. This isn't terrible. This is not Lulu, is what I shall say. So, looks like we're adding this to the uh, to the not bad, bad things list then. Oh god, we've got to chew, we've got to really pick some stinkers for next time. <laughs> But what happened after the show? We clearly didn't mind it, but everyone who reviewed it did. <laughs> do you do you have the review the review from the Telegraph? I do have the review from the Telegraph. Yes. Do you want to read the review from the Telegraph? Yes. the The first thing to note from the review from the Telegraph is they loved Kingsley as much as we love Kingsley. Kingsley is universally loved. I mean, it's a preposterous analysis of his character, like. Initially disappointing, small and high voice, where television butlers should of course be towering bass baritones. <laughs> He's not real! <laughs> In the manner of Downton Abbey's st stentorian, I've never even heard that word. Kingsley emerges as a gender bender, not a gender bender. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Genre. Genre he emerges bender. as a genre bender of genius. Kingsley's just there in his in his fishnet tights and high heels. Singing oh. a Prince song. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh Christ. <laughs> 
Fucking hell. But um, <sighs> in, in, in worse, worse reviewed uh, uh, notes that I've got from the Telegraph. Everything else. Since the floundering Harry lookalike wasn't a wild or weird enough character to carry the show, because he's not, because he's Matt Hicks, entertainment derives solely from the foolish bachelorettes. My, were they vapid. (laughs) Vapid. (laughs) And then the most cutting line of the whole review, I want to marry Harry is fodder for the brain dead and ultimately forgettable. Oh, that's so harsh. Fodder for the brain dead. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's us. Other reviews I found were a review from Time magazine yep. that says it's it's a product made for an audience inured by a decade of reality shows to duplicitous gimmicks and contrived catfights. Its tone, visuals and scoring are light because, hey, it's just entertainment and these ladies all signed up for a reality show and whatevs, right? <laughs> I Want to Marry Harry is like a reality dating TV show for the era of Game of Thrones. And there, if there's one thing Game of Thrones has taught us, it's this. Sometimes you're a lot better off just skipping the royal wedding. <laughs> uh, and that review uh, was called Welcome to Bucking Sham Palace. Which is, that is a home run pun. That is incredible. Oh. Did you find the review from The Guardian? Uh, I haven't got the Guardian review, no. Uh, what, okay. what millennial so... snowflake stuff did they have to say? <laughs> so this is review was released in 2018 and is entitled I Want to Marry Harry, How It Predicted the Royal Wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so in the review, Hannah Verdier calls the show ludicrously outdated, noted that it was lambasted for its cruelty, gaslighting and general cruelty. Gaslighting. (laughs) And she also said that Matt Hicks looked more like the love child of Ed Sheeran and James Blunt than any kind of heir to the throne. And that would explain his lack of personality. (laughs) Oh, jeez. However, she did note the similarities between this show and the real life story of Harry and Meghan Markle. She said that Harry ended up with an American woman, like in the show... (laughs) She was an actress. All of these girls were American. I don't understand. <laughs> okay, but not all of them were actresses. Kimberly was. There sort is a of. Meghan and a Chelsea in the running, both of whom are names linked to Harry. The woman that Harry ended up with had to learn how to be royal, coming from a common background. And in a very scathing remark, Verdier writes, they both got <laughs> $250,000 for doing nothing. Oh, what, what a right royal payday. Yeah, let's just totally just dismiss all the charity work that Harry and Meghan do and just have a go at them. It's only the Invictus Games. Nobody gives a shit. Oh, my God. But what happened to some of the contestants? Well, Kimberly actually got some acting work off the back of this. She got signed to a talent agency and also went on to study drama therapy at New York University. So she did very well off the back of this. We found her show real. <laughs> Sorry, you found her show real, you <laughs> creep. <laughs> Look, there is a link in her Instagram, okay? That is not my fault. Uh, She plays a lot of prostitutes. (laughs) It's what we've established. The baffling part of her showreel was that her her key prostitution role was put above her uh, her showreel for I Want to Marry Harry. The first line is her as a prostitute where she's like, you want to go, motherfucker? (laughs) I'll bite your dick off for $20. (laughs) 
Cody Island. <laughs> Andrea, uh, as we mentioned earlier, went on the radio and confirmed a lot of things uh, about the show. She confirmed that Kelly was the one who bought into it the most. She also said she wasn't upset that she was duped and that she was grateful for the opportunity. Megan went on the same show. Apparently she's still friends with Maggie in real life. Uh, or at least she was by the time of the Yeah, I was going to say, these are recorded in 2014. <laughs> Uh, she said that all the fights on the show were real she would go on the show again and that Matt was a good kisser (laughs) cool as part of this podcast I actually reached out to a number of people in connection with the show please say something happened (laughs) so I scoured the internet Uh, I tracked down Kim oh uh, you haven't told me this I know. In her uh, in her showreel, there is an email address. It is a Yahoo email oh address. Oh, my God. So she didn't get back to me. Oh. Matt Hicks's Twitter has the link to an agency. So he has a representative. I emailed them. He didn't get back to me. <laughs> and Megan Jones has a Twitter account with an email address that you can email. She's open to collaborations. I emailed her, and she did get back to me. No! She... No, are we going for a drink with Megan? (laughs) I emailed Megan asking, uh, saying that we were doing a podcast reviewing I Want to Marry Harry, and she replied the same day, saying, I love podcasts... What's it called? Oh, no. I replied to her saying... No. (laughs) It's called Bad Things. And I've not heard back from her since. (laughs) You were more honest with her than fucking Hicks was, at least. (laughs) So, I tried, folks. I'm really sorry. I really did try. But I don't think we're going to get any interviews. I'm really sorry. Did you try and explain the context of us sort of re-reviewing things? And yes, I did. I told her that like we it. both enjoyed it. I was, I tried my best, but it didn't work. I'm sorry. Oh god! <laughs> I love her generic response as well. I love podcasts. <laughs> so does everyone. Ah, uh, so unfortunately, we're not going for a drink with Megan, but. Did Matt and Kim ever end up going for a drink? The big question. (laughs) That was a tenuous uh, segue. Did Matt and Kim stay together after the show? How much of this did you read into, Nathan? I've got a couple of quotes here. Kimberly in 2014, and she's kind of interviewed twice about this over the the two Mm. years subsequently. So in 2014, she said, the thing is... I'm in New York, if you didn't know, Um, (laughs) and he's in England, so physically it's hard to see one another. That's generally how it works, yeah. (laughs) We got to spend a nice weekend together in Palm Springs several months ago, so he's really not that broke at all. Um, (laughs) And he's planning to come here in about a month or two. We genuinely like each other and have spoken regularly from the moment we stopped filming. We Skype, talk on FaceTime all the time, and we try to keep some sort of relationship... Hopefully, we'll go from there. Yeah, they didn't do that. In an interview with Splinter News, Kim was asked about her and Matt again, and her response was, We still talk on a regular basis, which is awesome. We're not in a romantic relationship as of now, and I think that's mainly because of the way our lives have been after the show. 
you never know what's going to happen in the future. That's what we both say. As of now, we just maintain a friendship. Did you get the line after that as well? <laughs> no. What did she say? We're actually meeting up in Croatia in August. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, he's definitely loaded. No one, no one goes to Croatia on the cheap. Palm strings and then Croatia <laughs> the next year. Bloody living it up in split or something. Yeah, I see what you did. Well... Unfortunately, it didn't work out for Matt and Kim, but it did work out for Matt and someone else because on his Instagram account, there are lots of pictures Aww. with him and a lady. So he did find love in the end. Hopefully not. And a baby. Yeah. Oh, he's got a baby. I think that was his child. Yes. Well, hopefully it is. Congratulations. Uh, hopefully Matt was a bit more honest with his current partner than he was with these women. <laughs> So it all worked out well for everyone in the end, except I would love to know what happened when Kelly found out he wasn't Prince Harry. Did you uh, Did you look for Kelly? <laughs> I couldn't find her. Oh. So that's it for uh, another review of I Want to Marry Harry. Uh, if you want to add your own opinion to the mix, if you're looking for something to do during lockdown, by all means, they're on YouTube. I'll put some links to the episodes in the description of this podcast. So have at it, as you say. Uh, and you can also find all Matt our. Did. <laughs> you can also find all our old episodes by going back through our archive on Acast and Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you're looking for something to while away those lonely hours stuck inside. But Nathan, on the whole, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. No. no. Um, morally, it's a very bad thing. But uh, from an entertainment standpoint, it did the trick for me. There we go. Jacob, we have a poll winner mm. for episode five. Yes, we do. I was actually surprised by the amount of people who were interested in listening to this. I thought that Louis Boys was going to be a clear winner. <laughs> but the winner is actually the feminist icon himself. <laughs> Robin Thicke and his album Paula. So next time on the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the prehistory of Paula and Robin Thicke. We'll get into blurred lines. Oh, my God. Um, And all the shenanigans that happened around that. And then we'll go track by track on Paula and see if we actually like any of it or whether any of it's actually interesting. Jeez. I mean, at least this album's available on streaming sites, which is more than can be said for the last one. So... I don't have to shell out any money for it this time. Do you think like iTunes, Spotify will just say that some tracks are so bad that they can't be played? <laughs> Hopefully he's not releasing any 20 minute long album closes, so we shouldn't have a problem there. But Jacob, when one poll closes, another one opens. <laughs> what are the potential choices we have for episode six? Well, it's going to be another visual romp. And since the first two we've done have been, you know, surprisingly good, we've gone for four absolute stinkers, four guaranteed shitfests for us to get until our we like them. Until we like them, yeah. Well, if I end up liking any of these, I want somebody to smack me really hard around the face. So we've got two TV shows and two movies. The first TV show is a sitcom featuring everybody's favourite Nazi leader, Adolf <laughs> Hitler, living next door to a Jewish family. Uh, him and Ava Braun. Whoa, I didn't know that about it. Oh my God. Yeah, no, he lives next to a family of called the Goldsteins. Oh. Uh, featuring uh, cameos from characters like Joseph Stalin, this is Heil Honey, I'm Home, uh, a show that got cancelled after, was it two or one episodes? I think it's one. <laughs> so if you like the idea of a, a sitcom with Hitler in it, you can vote for that one. Remember Gavin and Stacey? Remember how that came back last Christmas? Remember how everybody loved it? Do you also remember why that show fell apart in the first place? It was because of a little movie starring Matthew Horne and James Corden called Lesbian Vampire Killers. 
which pretty much does exactly what it says on the tin. This film not only got horrible reviews, it also led to the breakup of the partnership, and I don't think they speak to each other for a number of years after this film, right? Yeah, uh, lots of awkward interviews with James Corden around this time where they ask him about uh, what happened with his friendship with... uh... Uh, with Matt Horn, mm. and also we'll probably discuss the ill-fated Horn and Corden oh. uh, si- um, sketch show as well Jeez. on BBC Three. Oh, it's so bad. I've seen some clips. It's real bad. So that could be a nice double feature there. Another sitcom for your consideration is <laughs> My Mother the Car, which is about a man whose dead mother is resurrected as a classic 1930s car. And it was named the second worst TV show of all time in a poll by, I think it was the Radio Times or something like that. Um, But the people involved in the show are very interesting. A lot of acclaimed producers and writers working on this show, but terrible, terrible reviews. And I'm very excited to hopefully one day review this one day because it sounds dreadful. And last but not least is probably the most well-known option on this list. George Clooney showing off his bat nips in the absolutely (laughs) horrifically reviewed 1997 superhero movie, Batman and Robin. If you like ice puns, you will want to vote for this one. Yeah, it's not the Dark Knight, is it? (laughs) So those are your four options. There will be a post similar to our previous one. If you want to head over to the Bad Things Facebook page, you can check out all our stuff on there. Also, follow us on Instagram for the amazing artwork that our artist Becky Stolworthy has been doing there for us. She's done thumbnails for us. She's done our Hall of Fame for us. Uh, There's an amazing picture of Lou Reed wielding a sword that will be up there from our Lulu episode. So please go and check that out and follow her on Instagram as well at Becky Stollers. You can find her there. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at Bad Things Pod. That's us on Instagram too. On Facebook, we are Bad Things the Podcast. So that brings this uh, hell of a review to a close. I hope you've enjoyed both parts of our I Want to Marry Harry review. Please do go and check out the first part if you haven't heard it and somehow made it to the end of this episode. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, But Nathan, thank you so much for enduring me for four hours. May Matt and Kim be in our our hearts forever and uh, I will see you next time. Mm, Absolutely. Kim will certainly be in my heart forever. We know that much. (laughs) thank you very much for listening find us on Acast find us on Apple Podcasts please like us on Facebook do all the social stuff as well and we'll see you next time when we get to grips with the album that sold 530 copies in its first week Robin Thicke and Paula that's next time but for this time it's a goodbye from Nathan Packham farewell (laughs) it's a goodbye from me Jacob Simmons we're gonna get out the door and we'll see you next time bye bye skank 